And welcome to another edition of the Throwing Bagels podcast. Kevin Mooney here with you alongside Jason Hamo. Hey, Jason. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Very good. Thanks. And Chris Daglas here with us as well. Chris, what's up? Howdy. Ah, uh, you know, living the dream, Kevin. Living the dream, baby. <laughs> We do have another fantastic guest uh, with us on the Throwing Bagels podcast. I hope our uh, Oswego audience will will forgive us, but we do have a SUNY Cortland graduate uh, joining us uh, for this particular broadcast, and that is okay. She is a hockey expert and content programmer for Bleacher Report Open Ice. Uh, please welcome in Alex Russo. Alex, hello. Hi, happy to be here. Thank you for that kind introduction. <laughs> oh, sure. It's it's great to have you. And um, uh, let's uh, just get right into it. So as we as we're recording this, it is Monday night. So there are four games in the books right now in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, between uh, Florida and Vegas. And uh, boy, that game four was really uh, a little got a little feisty uh, toward the end. And these teams are really racking up the penalty minutes, Alex. I mean. What what is your take through the first four games? So everybody loves the Panthers, right? If you look at um, any statistical evidence, it'll tell you that most of America is right now on the Panthers side, especially with the heat also on their run. South Florida is buzzing and for good reason. Um, so I had a lot of faith in them going into it. They have disappointed me thus far. Um <laughs> I, I think Vegas has just looked extremely strong and, uh, you know, they're, they're playing their game and they're, they're fast. They're hard to compete against. Um, but yeah, they, like you said, big scrum at the end of game four there. Um, I was lucky enough to be on shift that night covering it. And I, you know, between getting out all of our end of games and, and looking at that scrum, I was, uh, definitely had my hands full. <laughs> Clock does strike midnight on Cinderella every so often. So, you know, couldn't last forever, I guess. That's fair. That's very fair. I, I felt that Florida was going to go all the way. And obviously we know what the stats are when you're down three to one. So probably not going to happen at this point. Um, and it, it sounds like I'm really heavily rooting for Florida. I'm not. I just think the Cinderella story was something that I got caught up in. <laughs> sure. You know, ultimately you look at these two teams and it seems like Vegas is just so, this just, so much depth up and down that roster that Florida's really having a tough time with that. I agree with you. I, I, I think, uh, you know, Florida is based on their heart and their grit. Um, and even though obviously they have star players like Kachuk and Barkov and whoever else, they, uh, they don't seem to be up to the task and it could be that they just ran out of gas in the tank. Right. But uh, other than that, it, it just looks like Vegas is, Poised for a cup championship. They've come close before, right? So they finally, they might finally get over the, over the hill, considering they've only been in the league for three, four years at this point. So it's crazy to even think that they've been around for such a short time and might get a cup out of it. Yeah, I think that, I think this is uh, their sixth season. They went to the cup final. What was it? Their first season in the league, right? Um, wow. It was yeah, no, it seems it actually seems shorter thinking about the fact that they're, you know, back in the finals. It seems like, oh, there's no way that they did this twice. Um, and I there's definitely uh, a stat out there. I don't remember what it was, but I read it the other day that basically they're like one of very few teams in NHL history to pull off 
uh, that feat. And if they win, uh, I don't know what the stats are there, but definitely like winning within the first six seasons is a big deal. Is there any way we're we're seeing a game six here? I hope. I really hope. Um, <laughs> just from a, a viewer and a fan standpoint, like you want to see more hockey. Um, obviously, don't want the summer withdrawals to start just yet. <laughs> well, it's probably going to come down to Kachuk's health, really. I mean, he's banged up. Uh, you know, I mean, it seems like the NHL didn't really kind of turn their, ha- their head to the side and said, don't worry about the concussion that last game. No big deal. Yeah, he came back as if nothing was wrong. I mean, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, every time I look at a hit like that, you know, I'm five one. I weigh roughly a hundred pounds. I think, man, I would be done. I would. Be so <laughs> I mean, I think any normal person would be done after that hit, especially <laughs> even a hockey player, apparently. But let's move on to a real hockey team. How about the New York Rangers? All right, let's talk <laughs> about them. There's a, uh, we have a backup goalie situation, right? I mean, uh, everyone's a free agent. I mean, I'm available to play. Kevin's available <laughs> to play. Jason's, sure. I mean, we're all available to play. If they need to sign a backup goalie, we're here. Have you had any insight as to what's going on with the backup goalie situation with the Rangers? I wish I could tell you. Um, <laughs> that 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 is the uh, question of the hour, right? I, I feel like they're probably more focused right now on finding a coach, Um I, rumor had it that they let go of Jim Ramsey because he basically uh, told everybody that there was a, a fight between Drury and, and Gallant. Um, and I had the uh, unfortunate day of being at game four. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, remember walking out of that arena, you just felt that things were going downhill. Um, and so now looking into the off season and, you know, trying to come up with with all these plans, I think you can't even begin to think about backup goalie, you know, line combinations, anything like that until you figure out who's on your roster. And that's just very difficult for them right now. Um, you know, limited cap space and obviously that's not changing. Um, and so it's, it's going to be very difficult for them to figure out, uh, who to keep now as somebody that got a cane jersey recently, I would love for them to keep. <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a, that was a, that was a, very uh, strong move on your part. Very bold. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It could be a collector's item at some point. It wasn't me. It was a gift. It was for my birthday. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was beautiful. And I, I don't want to, you know, have to look at it and cry so soon. So. <laughs> um, so speaking of the coaching search, there's been many coaches that have come off the board in the last few weeks. Uh, the Rangers just seem to be sitting there like, just waiting. They don't seem to really be doing much. I've heard they've interviewed some people, but there's really not much going on. My first thought is, are they really waiting to see if the, if the NHL is going to reinstate Joel Quenville? Cause God forsake it. If they do, I will not be happy camper at this point. But I mean, other than that, who else is out there? The less, less people out there really are Pete Laviolette. If you, and I can't imagine they're going to go with someone with limited experience. It's everything you said is entirely right. Um, I don't think that they're waiting for Quenville to be reinstated. It, it would look like that, um, but I almost feel like they're not thrilled with their options and they're choosing from or trying to choose from the best of, I don't want to say the worst. I mean, I'll do credit to whoever they're interviewing, but every team needs something specific, right? And so a, a coach that could be incredible for one team would be terrible for another. And so that's where that process of interviewing comes in. 
And, uh, you know, I think what I want to see from a coach that they, that they're going to hire is making sure that there's adequate amount of time for the kids to grow. I mean, I, I look at guys like Capo Caco, Lafreniere, right? Like what has gone on in the last couple of years to make them grow? almost nothing. And that's been through two different coaches. So something needs to change on that line or somebody's doing a really terrible job with uh, scouting reports. But I, I I tend to not think it's the latter. Should Gallant have been fired after a season like that? Or should he have been allowed to try to right the ship? I think initial reports, he was very upset about people even talking about the concept of him being let go. Um, you know, he thought it was outlandish and then it happened and who knows what he's been up to since, but uh, I didn't think it was so outlandish. I mean, I, I'm all for giving a second chance, but you see a team like the devils who had no playoff experience. I thought it was going to be a seven game series, which is fine, but you, you can't not score in game seven. So, and it's, it's happened one too many times. Um, you know, the, the moment is too big and it's, Never the goalie for the Rangers, right? It's it's always Shesterkin. It's always, you know, Lundqvist, whoever. But um, yeah, I just feel like at the end of the day, it's they knew it was going downhill and didn't do anything to fix it. And that's on Gallant. Like he didn't make any changes. He didn't adapt. And he let a team with no experience go into the second round. And, and then look what happened with Carolina. And I, I got to be honest, I didn't even think Carolina was that good. I do agree with you that... Um... Gallant should have made some changes, right? He should have been able to adapt a little bit. But at the same time, players really didn't step up. Mika Zibanejad had a pretty horrific series for the most part. Uh, you know, Patrick Kane and Tarasenko, I mean, the only times they really scored was when the Rangers had those outbursts, you know, in the first few games. Other than that, they they really didn't do anything. Kane just seemed like he was coasting half the time. And maybe it was his hip. We don't know that, right? We don't, we don't have any idea if that was bothering him. But from my perspective, do you think the players have have to take some of that blame as as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, you know, last season there was a rumor, I believe, that Panarin had hurt his back and maybe that was the reason he wasn't playing so well. But then when it happens a second season in a row, I start fearing that he's turning into Rick Nash. And I <laughs> I don't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry, let me take it back. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, it's it's like my worst fear actualized, right? I, I don't want to see that happen. Um, and no disrespect to Nash, he was great during the regular season. Uh, but I, I, you know, you don't want to see that from your star players. And I think that's where it falls on coaching. If you're not getting that from a guy that is tried and true and, and proven to step up big, I mean, he's called Showtime. What, what better name are you going to get if you're not stepping up? Um, and so if he, if Gallant wasn't getting that from him, it's probably something Gallant was doing wrong. I can I can just see this now that the Rangers will hire a retread like a LaViolette and <laughs> it'll be a retread higher and you'll be left with crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. I mean, that's what I tend to do anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little extra uh, right now. I actually saw reports a little earlier today that um, LaViolette is kind of next in line. I, I admittedly didn't read the whole article, probably because I didn't want to in part, but uh, <laughs> we we shall see what happens there. <laughs> There's a lot of retreads lately. Oh. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering... Uh, why doesn't the NHL take chances on younger coaches like other sports do? Yeah, I mean, the NFL is a perfect example. They'll just throw some dude out named McVay, and all of yeah. a sudden he's winning a Super Bowl. 
No, that's true. I I wonder what it is about the NHL that doesn't lead them to giving them those chances. I I wonder if it's something just culturally within the league or, uh, you know, the way certain teams operate. Um, But for what it's worth, I don't really think no block is the answer either. Um, And not necessarily because of his lack of experience. Um, It's just, you know, the Rangers still have enough veterans on their roster that you need a guy who's able to handle both. And I don't know that he's that person. Uh, let's change our focus here to the players. Uh, there's, uh, basically the Rangers have zero, like zero cap room. So what we have Kane, we have Tarasenko. Are there any chances they come back or are we, uh, the Rangers just kind of, kind of let them go? Or have you heard any news on either one of those coming back? I, so Kane got the surgery, right? For his hip. Um, I think his timetable to return is like four to five months or something of that nature. So, you know, to our point earlier, that was definitely bothering him. And I think he's going to want a shot at playing after being recovered um, and fully healed and and hopefully, you know, doing more of that goal. I think we saw in game two, but uh, yeah, I I would love to see him come back. I promise not just because of the Jersey, but (laughs) I really (laughs) want to see him come back. Uh, I don't, you obviously can't keep both. There's just no way. I'm not really good at math, but uh, I I know that there's no way that you can keep both of them. And then you have guys like Lindgren and Miller. And uh, honestly, between those two, I'd keep Lindgren, even though he's getting a little banged up. But uh, guys made of titanium, I believe he has a few more <laughs> uh, tough hits that he can take before he really starts looking like he's in bad shape. It, it seems like all hockey players are made of titanium. I mean, so, some of these injuries that come out after the Stanley Cup, yeah, he played with a broken vertebrae. Right. His brains were scrambled into his eyeballs, <laughs> but no problem. He's good. He'll be back in four weeks. Like, it's just insane. And they're they're playing on freaking swords, on ice. Like, what an insane game this is that we love. It really is. And that's why we love it. Right. It's, it's so different. It's so unique. And there's, there's so much skill that goes into it that people don't recognize. And I would love to see the skill angle of hockey marketed even more than uh, just the physical angle of it. I'm all for fighting. I'm all for banging on the glass during a game, but uh, (laughs) I really do feel that the skill level of hockey is just insane and what these players go through. Right. I mean, we don't see this in, basketball, baseball. I mean, football is a little bit of its own uh, entity in that regard, but the way these guys get hit, the way they can get hit, get off as Rocky says, right? That's, that's what, that's what they're made of. And it's just, it's incredible to watch. I don't think people necessarily realize the intensity behind it each time it happens and how incredible it is that, you know, guys like Lindgren come back with however many stitches and, you know, it's, it's like nothing happened. The like we said, the hip surgery for Kane. Do you think he takes a pay cut? He's got to take some sort of a pay cut at this point, right? To he's an aging player. He's coming off of a major hip surgery. He's going to be out until what? At least November, probably at this point. Um, does he take a pay cut? I mean, even even though the Rangers are in cap hell, they may not even be able to afford him with a kit with a with a uh, pay cut. But you know, is how, what kind of a pay cut would he take? Prop would he would he have to take at least have to difficult for me to say like I said terrible at math I don't even want to think about numbers but I will say that many players as we've seen take less to stay with the Rangers 
right? Like I, I remember distinctly one of the first times I saw it happen. And for reference, like I started uh, getting into hockey when I was 12. Um, I remember Zuccarello taking less to stay with the Rangers one year. And just thinking to myself, even as a kid, like, wow, you know, these guys could probably go out and get any contract they want. And they really want to stay with this team. Now I love them more. Like, <laughs> and I, I think Kane probably has a very similar mentality to, um, you know, to, to that in general, where it's like, I love this team so much. I chose to come here. I wanted to come here. I fought to come here. I mean, we remember the comments he was making after the Rangers got Tarasenko. He was upset. He was visibly, actively, publicly upset, which is not something you tend to see from players because, you know, they don't, they don't want to show that emotion or they're told not to. Um, And so I think that can't have gone anywhere being in the playoffs at the garden. He got the full experience. So I, I hope that his desire allows him to take whatever that number is and stay with the team. With that said, right, the restricted free agents and the unrestricted free agents that the Rangers have, right? So Lafreniere and Miller are two of the unrestricted unrest- uh, free agents. Now, Miller, you mentioned you'd keep Miller over Lindgren, although I might beg, I might differ on that a little bit. I just, I love Keandre Miller and he's, he's younger um, than, than Lindgren and he's got more skill. Um, but do they keep both of them? Can they keep both of them? You know, they also have, besides Kane and Tarasenko, uh, Mikola, Halak, and Mott are all unrestricted free agents. Now, those guys aren't going to cost you a ton of money, but you can't keep all of them, right? That's, you know, even a million and a half per person is still going to add up after time with when you're in cap hell. That's true. And I, I mean, how many times are we going to bring Mott back, right? So <laughs> there are some situations that I think are unique in the sense that, you know, maybe you don't want to torture the guy and, and have him go somewhere else <laughs> and then come back and, you know, the whole spiel. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, like I said, I couldn't tell you an exact number. All I know is that uh, to your point about Lingren versus Miller, I actually don't know. I might've said earlier that I think Lingren has some time in him and, you know, ability to take hits and whatnot. So maybe he is the choice over Miller. I think with the right direction, Miller is, you know, an, an incredibly like skilled offensive um, defenseman, but I, I don't know. It's, it's a very valid point that you bring up between the two of them because they're both bringing you an element of physicality. The rest of the team doesn't have, mm-hmm. but I, I, it's tough to say who I'd choose. This is why I'm on the media side of things and not the uh, front office. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would love to bring Mikula back. You know, the guy was a th- basically a throw-in in the Tarasenko deal, and he became a uh, he he became one of their top defensemen. You know, Miller gets uh, suspended, and he steps right up in his place, and you know he he became one of their best defensemen in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, when he got here, he was taking a hell of a lot of penalties, and I was getting worried. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but he he proved himself after a while and I, I would love to keep him and apparently he was a big part of the deal that the Rangers made to get Tarasenko in the first place so they must have really liked him okay. I thought he was more of a throw-in but okay that's interesting to know that yeah I know I just remember reading reports that uh he was apparently a big part of the deal and I I thought the same when I saw it I was like I, yeah it's good scouting <laughs> yeah. is is Drury's job safe Next question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, I hope jury's not hearing. I <laughs> No, I listen as somebody who's uh, always wanted to work for the team. 
I'm going to say it this way. <laughs> I, uh, I notice a lot of what goes on beneath because of like who we work with. Um, and I know that a lot of people think he has very grand ideas and they don't necessarily agree with the execution. Like that's what it comes down to of what I've heard from people. Um, and so maybe he does ultimately have this grand, great vision that we're just, we're not getting there uh, in our heads, but he's not so bad. I, I kind of trust <laughs> the madness. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's jump into time machine. Let's go back. You said you, you uh, really started to follow the Rangers at what, the 12, you were 12 or yes. So, but at the time, was there another sport? in your, in your life be, before hockey? So, um, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, uh, was in the Navy with Roger Staubach. And so naturally, um, even though I, I know every time these words come out of my mouth, I'm hated by so many more people. Uh, I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> but come on, it's a cool story, right? Um, yes. <laughs> I'll so, give you that. Yeah. So because of that, I uh, grew up a Cowboys fan before I was ever a Ranger fan. But uh, candidly, I didn't really have the opportunity to follow sports the way I wanted to. It wasn't exactly something that uh, my mom was thrilled with. So I wasn't really it, it was very misogynistic. I will I will say that like the idea of like, oh, you know, because she's a girl, she can't follow sports, whatever. And so that happened to me for a while. Um, but my dad, who is my best friend in the world, um, was like, she seems to like it. So and then obviously I was like, you know what? I like it so much. I'm going to make a career out of it. Um, so it's it's been like the best thing that ever happened to me. But it took a while to find it just because, uh, you know, I didn't exactly have that opportunity. But um, yeah, no, it's it's led me to great places. And it's, it's the best thing, even when the Rangers break my heart. I still say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, like you said before, growing up on Staten Island, a Dallas Cowboys fan. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I it, it's it's been rough. Um, <laughs> most of my friends are Giants fans, uh, and yeah. so obviously that rivalry is difficult to tolerate. But uh, my best friend is a Jets fan, so no rivalry there. You know, we tolerate each other. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, football was was my first love, I guess, in that way. Uh, and hockey entered the scene, actually, because of Marty St. Louis, um, who ah, Marty. Yes, yeah. I love that man so much. Um, he just was such an inspiration, obviously, the story of him losing his mom and coming back to play and then scoring the goal on Mother's Day. Um, we posted a, a throwback on open ice uh, a couple of weeks ago on the day that it happened. And it was just like so surreal to me to be posting about that moment because that was what started all of this um my dad who is normally like the happiest guy ever was sitting on the couch all depressed and I was like what, what's wrong with you and he told me the St. Louis story and I just uh you know 12 year old me was like absolutely in love like what the team went to the you know his mom's funeral and, and supported him like that like that's beautiful and then they broke my heart as <laughs> <laughs> When did journalism, the idea of, of pursuing a, a beat writer job, or uh, when did that start uh, developing? 
really soon after. I mean, I always loved writing. Um, and as I've said a couple of times, I hate math. I can't do math. Numbers scare me. Um, and so I always knew I loved writing. And so um, I guess in my head, literally a few months after I started following hockey, I thought to myself, you love writing, you love hockey, you can combine them. It's <laughs> like, this is the best thing ever. Um, and then I realized I actually enjoy speaking um, even more than writing. So I've tried mm. to be in that role with a couple of things that I've done. Um, and, you know, now working on the media side of it, which is completely different, um, but all different, like, angles within the field of hockey and within hockey media. And honestly, it, I've noticed now at this point, it doesn't really matter so much to me which angle I take, whether that's writing, speaking, media. I'm just happy to be here, happy for the ride, happy to be a part of it. What, what kind of challenges have you faced uh, so far in your career? Obviously, you're a young female into, as you said, a misogynistic world, really, of, of sports and sports media. Can you tell us kind of some of the challenges you have faced? Yeah. So the, I mean, I, I love that question. I appreciate that somebody takes the time to ask that. So like I said, I mean, my first challenge really was my mom. Like we don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons why um, that happened, I guess, but that was the first challenge I faced. And I think that builds a lot of character because as a, I, I, I want to say child at that point, right? Like 12, like a, as a child, you kind of look to your parents for guidance in terms of what you want to do with your life and you know what's acceptable and i feeling that it wasn't made it difficult for me to want to continue down that path and i will never forget i was writing at the time literally at like 12 13 i was writing for this site called the ranger zone shout out to that guy because he gave me my first job um but i, <laughs> I was so happy that i was doing it and i had to hide it because she wouldn't let me write and so i would <laughs> I would um I would have to find ways around it. I would have to say I was doing schoolwork and I would publish to the site on nights where um the owner of the site, Rob, he couldn't, you know, cover the games. And so I would. That was my first challenge. And and as I've gotten, you know, further along with it, um, a couple of other things have come up that I guess have just, you know, made it a little bit more challenging for me in some regards, like uh working for Cortland hockey everybody within the organization was great uh but I'll never forget I was the first team meeting that I had to go to and I didn't know where the room was because it's, it's a pretty big building um Cortland's athletic complex and I asked some guy for directions I gave him the room number and he goes you have the wrong room I'm like what do you mean I have the wrong room I how, why would I like you don't know where I'm going and I ended up finding the room it happened to be down the hall and I, I opened the door and the coach was like, hi, Alex. And the guy just looked at me like, oh, my God, what what just happened? She just went into the hockey room like, like, yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> um, so it's moments like that that I, I think have really defined, it, um, you know, my, my very short career so far. Um, but I've also had a lot of positives, like I said, my dad um, and my friends are really supportive of everything I want to do. So I, I'm more lucky than not. Do you um, have someone you look up to in the in the industry? Um, we'll take your father out of the out of the equation for a second. <laughs> in the industry, um, you know, man or woman, you know, like I know, obviously, we've spoken in the past about who we've looked up to. You know, when we were kids, you know, growing up, um, who do you who did you look up to? So I've always loved Catherine Tappan. I think she's so polished. I think she knows everything. 
Um, I just love how she speaks. I love the uniqueness to her voice. And I just feel like she's the best. I don't know. I just, I, I've always felt like she's the best. Um, and I remember as a kid, like looking up to her and being like, that is exactly what I want to do. And and like I said, I don't really care so much about the specific avenue, whether that's writing, speaking media, but I, that ultimately her job and what she does and how she does it. Oh my God. I don't know what I like, what I would give to be able to be her and have that. <laughs> <laughs> Is your goal to be strictly a writer or do you do you want to do on-air work as well? So the goal is definitely to be on-air. Um, I want to, in a, a very ideal world, uh, be someone like John Giannone. Um, I could see myself interviewing players during intermission, you know, that little bit of airtime, but obviously working the games at the games close with um, you know, the players and, and whoever's in the locker room. I That to me is the ideal position because that's kind of what I was doing at Cortland for a while. Um, and it was, it was a position that I had created there of doing interviews with the players during intermissions because obviously you don't see that in, you know, Division Three and CAA sports. Um, but it was great to have founded something like that and then realized through that this is exactly what I want to do. So it'll, it'll take some time and hopefully, you know, by the time I get there, um, I've had all this experience through all these different mediums that it, it's a little less daunting, but to think about it is like, well, it's a lot of people that would kind of be looking at me interview some guys as, as opposed to uh, NCAA D3. So we have time. We have time. <laughs> How did Cortland wind up on your radar? Um, so <laughs> I was at a fair with my boyfriend at the time from high school and, uh, we were kind of trying to look together, I guess. And so really that's how Cortland happened. Um, so <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of the craziest story because I feel like a lot of how I've ended up where I am is, you know, random people, random adventures, random endeavors, um, and ultimately, Cortland was one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, I know we're rivals, so I won't, you know, <laughs> go too crazy talking so great about them. But I do love Cortland. Um, it was it was the best. I most people say four years. Right? It was the best two and a half years <laughs> that I experienced. Um, but yeah, it completely ended up on my radar by accident. And in fact, a lot of people told me you should go to Oswego because of the you know broadcasting program. And I just can't argue with you on that one. No, yeah. I mean, they were <laughs> right. Everybody was right who told me that. Um, and I don't know. I think at, by the time everybody told me, I had either applied to everything already or mm. I just was like, no, I know best. So, but. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's worked I was, out, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to say now. <laughs> uh, clearly, Alex, when you went to Cortland, you made your own opportunities, right? By By using the, like, did you jump right in? to uh, working with the hockey team there? So I, this is the math here is a little bit weird. Uh, okay. But so I graduated high school in 2020, which was the start of COVID. And that was, oh, yeah. yeah, that was the same year that obviously I started college um, that fall. And so Cortland was completely shut down. Like when I tell you, I basically lived in the dorms the entire first year that I was there. 
Um, and so college is almost like a very uh, different experience to me than it was for a lot of people because literally yeah. my time there was spent in a dorm, not being allowed to go out to eat, to go out to the gym, to, there were no parties, like, you know, and so it was a very different college experience um, going there my first year. And I wasn't able to work with the hockey team because there was no hockey. There was nothing. True. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So I became the sports editor of the Dragon Chronicle, which is our like student run paper. Um, and that was that was the season, I believe. Yeah, that was the season that, uh, you know, Lundquist got bought out. And uh, I was writing about that because there was no hockey going on at Cortland. Um, and I just remember being like, all right, I'm not complaining about this. I'm writing about the Rangers for Cortland, even though it's kind of weird. But uh, and then the next season, I emailed the coach. Um, great guy. He He basically like accepted everything that I threw at him. I emailed him one day and was like, hi, you don't know me, but I really want to work for you. And I promise you don't have to pay me. I just want some credits. Uh, please let me do this. I'll see you in a few weeks. Goodbye. And he, <laughs> 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 he was like, I don't know who you are, um, but okay, like, that's fine. We'll meet in a few weeks. And I, I went to his office. And this is another one of those moments through no fault of his that I will ever forget. I knocked on the door and he looked up at me and I, I was like, oh, we have a meeting right now. And he goes, what? And he looks down and he's like my meetings with Alex and he looks up and I'm like, yes, I'm a girl. I'm Alex. And he was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, oh, you're good. Like, um, I kind of like that. I kind of like that my name is androgynous in that way, because sometimes that happens and people are like so not expecting me to walk in the room. Um, but we ended up having a great conversation. He's a big Ranger fan. So, you know obviously good guy yeah hit it off um and I I told him like I promise I'm not going to get in the way I just really want to do this I think I can help you know the team gain visibility and we did um throughout my time there I worked for them not only as like their in-person uh you know interviewer but also I helped run their social media accounts and they ended up you know, having a lot more followers. I mean, a lot of them were my friends who were like, all right, let's be nice and follow the account for her. But <laughs> um, it was, it was just a great experience overall. And I, I wish that I had that first year, you know, where COVID wasn't a thing, but take what you can get. And it was, it was awesome for a while it lasted. So you were basically their social media manager slash, did you, did you do any writing for them or? I did. Yeah. I wrote some articles too. Uh, during games, they used to like right before the anthem, they they would announce, you know, media coordinator. And uh, my friends would always joke with me that like, you know, that's, that's only one of your like seven job titles for them. So I, <laughs> I loved doing so much. A um, couple of my articles for them ended up, you know, on either their website or back in the Dragon Chronicle, because once I stopped um, writing articles and was just editing, I had no reason to necessarily put those articles there, but I was like, why not? And I, we ended up growing because of that. I think, you know, people see it in the main page and they were like, oh, maybe we should go to a hockey game. And then we got good, you know, for a while. I think Oswego actually beat us this last year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Cortland was good for a while, made the playoffs the first season that I worked for them, which was their first time making the playoffs since like 2008. And the players were really nice to me. They ended up telling me that, like, you know, I 
inspired them and I made them feel important. And that's why they got back into the playoffs. And I was like, I knew I picked the right job. (laughs) (laughs) They always say hockey players are the nicest, are are the nicest. They are really nice. Although a little bit intimidating when the guy is like six, four and I'm, you know, at best five, (laughs) six in heels. Uh, (laughs) Like I would, I remember I would try to like move the microphone up and I'm like on my tippy toes, but I'm on, I'm, you know, in heels and, Guys like trying to crouch down. I'm like, oh God, this is the one struggle. <laughs> you, add, you add a few inches when you're on skates too. So right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Oswego. Uh, sorry, Car- uh, Cortland head coach Joe Cardarelli was an assistant at Oswego uh, several years ago. Actually, uh, was with them. He helped recruit a lot of the players that won the national title in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, he he's that's a great foundation that that Cardarelli is you know, uh, put there for, for Cortland state. And they're really starting to become, uh, a force, you know, in the Suniac year in and year out. Yeah, no, he was amazing to me. I, you know, always let me have access to whatever I needed. Um, the team ended up buying me a microphone at some point, which I oh, felt nice. bad. Yeah, no, they were so sweet, but I, this, one of the, one of our players, his father came up to me outside of the locker room and was like oh we have a present for you and handed me a box and I was like what is this and I saw the microphone it was such a nice gesture I think his son was the one I had interviewed first so I was like I guess this makes sense but <laughs> yeah they were they were really nice to me and and you know Joe Cardarelli all all respect and thanks to him as well because uh there's no way that any of that would have happened if he wasn't like all right let the crazy kid work let her do her thing <laughs> To graduate in two and a half years, Alex, I mean, how did you manage to pull that off? So people don't believe me, but you can ask my friends. I was out three, four nights a week. I I, I lived college. I promise you I lived college I for that you know year and a half that it was actually active. But um, it basically meant taking 19 to 21 credits a semester. And I came in with 16, which is a semester's worth. So I basically consolidated two extra semesters into one. Um, and I, I didn't take any summer classes, no winter classes, nothing like that. I just was like, you know what, during the time I have to work, I'll work. And so 21 credits a semester is just about seven classes. And most of my friends were taking about four. So um, I was lucky because some of them were still virtual and I, I wouldn't have to necessarily you know, be in class, but I would always be working like hours before we'd go out, right? Like me at the laptop, like just nonstop staring at the screen. Um, but it was worth it. It was so worth it. You know, people, people ask all the time, like, do you feel you missed out on the college experience? No, you know, a year of all that was enough for me. And like, now I'm happy. <laughs> so I'm happy that I did it in, in a short time. And I, that was always the plan going into it too. It was like, I want to get out, I want to work, you know, and, and when you love what you do, you're not working. So see the old guys like us didn't have those virtual classes. So we had to go, we had to go, (laughs) took seven classes. You had to be at seven classes. Yeah. I I took 21 credits one semester and it was the worst thing I ever did in my entire life. Agreed. I did the worst thing I ever did in my entire life. I regret it. My mother made me do it. She's like, no, you have to take one extra class. And I was like, why? (laughs) 
and I did it, and I was like, "This is the worst thing ever." <laughs> Terrible idea. I was like, "Actually, it was sorry, it was not twenty-one. It was it was eighteen credits, so it was six classes." Mm-hmm. But either way, I had to go to that was that was just like, yeah, I was like, I regret doing this. I would rather have taken an extra semester in college mm-hmm. than have to take eighteen credits in one semester, especially when you have to be at the class. I guess when you're virtual, it's not as big of a deal, but it, it's true, and I I do think that was that would have been a deterrent to me had I known that I had to be at every single class every time um yeah that's that's a little bit more difficult there were only there was only one semester where I literally had seven in-person classes and every other semester at least one of them was virtual so it was it wasn't like that big of a difference but I am the kind of person who wants to like you know set aside my six hours to do something and then be done with it so that's what I would do. I'd be like, all right, you need this done by like, you know, December 15th. I'm going to do it in October. That's that's how I did everything. <laughs> Impressive. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I swear people are like, oh, you must be so smart. I'm like, no, actually, I'm like probably average intelligence, but just really wanted to work for the Rangers. <laughs> it's like, let me get out of college so I can, you know, impress jury at some point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> So you you went through college. You talked about how you got your first job uh, when you were younger. How did you get to the Bleacher Report? So I was having all these offers roll in from different graduate schools and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. They were very generous offers, and I was really excited about a lot of them. Um, but unfortunately, my heart was still set on working. And so I missed out on, you know, cities like Boston and whatnot, like Emerson College. Um, But it came down to the last minute. So I was about to make a deposit to basically hold my place at Emerson. And I noticed that this random guy followed me on Instagram. And I'm like, looking at his profile, and I see that it says Bleacher Report. And that, you know, he did social stuff for the NHL on TNT. Like, this is so cool. I'm going to message this guy. You know, let me, let me hold off on Emerson for a second. I'm like, Hey, you found me. I found you. What's going on? Like, what do you do? And so we ended up talking for a little bit about his job, my roles. And he goes, actually, we have a position open on our team. If you're graduating in like, you know, a month, like you say you are, you should apply. And I was like, are, are you for real right now? This seems too good to be true. So I applied, didn't hear anything, didn't think anything of it. And two weeks later, I get an email that says, hey, are you free at 10 a.m.? I woke up at around 9.55. So I was like, wow, I saw this email for a reason. <laughs> and I <laughs> I responded back. I was like, yeah, I get on the phone with um, Bleacher Reports recruiter. And he's like, I love you. You have to talk to um, this guy, Evan, who's now my boss. Um, And we ended up talking later that day. Like a week later, I I spoke to this woman, Meredith, who's amazing. She works for um, like Bleacher Report National. And I thought we had a really good conversation. Felt like everything went well between both of them. And like two weeks went by and I didn't hear anything. And I kept postponing the day that I had to deposit for Emerson. And it got down to the day that I was leaving college and I let the deadline go by. I'm like, whatever, let it happen. And uh, we get a call. My dad and I were driving back from Cortland back to Staten Island and get a call around around like six o'clock saying, by the way, we want to offer you the position. And 
I, I, I tell my dad, I'm like, I, you almost crashed. <laughs> it, it was incredible. I kept having to like mute the phone screaming at like, Oh, did you hear this? Did you hear that? He's like, unmute the phone. You're going to miss like what your salary is. And I, I was like, no, you're right. So <laughs> we, uh, we were just like screaming in the car, all happy about bleach report, but it was all because this guy who I shout out to Matt Schneider. He's amazing. He's basically the whole reason why I found um, this job and why I have it now. And wow. he's great. And the whole team has been great about, you know, helping me learn and uh, helping me grow both. I think like as an individual, but also, you know, within the skills that I need. Um, I, I absolutely love working for open ice. It's the best thing I've ever done. And it's, um, it's just surreal kind of to go to work every day because I, I love it so much. Like tomorrow um, I work the late shift, I'm working the game. And I, like, I just think to myself, this is, this is the greatest thing ever. So <laughs> you couldn't swindle a, a, a plane ticket to get to Vegas for, for the next game. Like, well, I mean, come on, what kind of company are you working for? <laughs> I am, I am so on board with you. I, <laughs> I definitely hope to have opportunities in the future uh, to be on site for games because that is part of the job description. Um, you know, my coworkers fly out sometimes, but I think just because it's only been a few months and I'm still technically new, um, there's definitely stuff to sort out there, but I'm hoping that by this time next year, maybe not Vegas, actually, I hope not Vegas. I want it to be like Edmonton or something, but, uh, just cause I, I love Canada. Um, but I'm hoping, yeah, to be on site for a couple of things, maybe during the off season as well. We'll see. If I am and I have an extra ticket, I'll give it to you guys. I promise. Yes. <laughs> yes. So were you, were you, you were applying to grad school or basically putting a deposit down on grad school? Yeah, I had everything set. I, um, I, I had decided I wasn't going to go to the broadcasting school because I've always had a very weird fascination with the city of Boston. Like as a child, the first time I went there, I was like, this is the best place ever. I'm, I'm going to end up here at some point or another. And I still believe that. I still believe Boston is somewhere in my future. Be careful but what you say coming from Staten Island. You've already said the Cowboys. I mean, seriously. I mean, come on. You know, you're going to say you're a Red Sox fan. I mean, honestly. I mean, none of us are Yankee fans. That so doesn't really matter to us as much. But like, right. I, be careful. So, I what you say on Staten Island. Well, I have a question for you. How much do you want to hate me right now? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. She's a Red Sox fan. That doesn't bother me. I don't. It doesn't, doesn't bother, bother me enough. either, but she's just upset everyone in Staten Island. I've upset oh. everyone I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so, you must be a black sheep in like your family. My Unless they're Mets fans. Are Mets fans. And my okay. dad. Uh, did this class in Boston. Um, well, it it was like a Harvard business school. It was like a, some kind of expedited business class program that he did. And I told him that because I, this was like at, I don't know, 12, 13, I told him because I root for the Cowboys and they're not a New York team, every other team I root for in every league has to be not New York so that the wow. Rangers are special. That, would, that was my mm. like 12 year old thinking. I was like, the Rangers are special because they're the only New York team I root for. So he came back with a Red Sox hat for me. And I believe, um, I believe that was the year that they won. It might've been 2018. Like the story that I'm telling about him going to Boston, I think it was 2018. And I was like, you know what? This seems to be a trend. I become a Ranger fan in 2014, the year of St. Louis, they go to the finals. I become a Red Sox fan in 2018. 
they win. So I, I was like, this has to be good luck. And I, I haven't been right since, but it's okay. <laughs> well, I hope I hope you're never right about the Cowboys. Sorry, but <laughs> seriously. Is is there an is there an NBA team in there somewhere? Chicago Bulls. So okay, okay. I make no claims to following basketball. Okay. Uh, the only two sports that I follow are hockey and football. Sure. But I, I like the Celtics just because like oh, Boston. God. So <laughs> wow. I know right. I should learn how to not say this in conversation because it never ends well. <laughs> should have lied. God, you're you're very I'm gonna tell you one thing. You're very unique. You're very unique. Yes, a unique sports fan. It's yeah. a new sports fan, Jay. It's it's the it's this next generation of sports fan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what is your daily daily work at open ice? How do you what do you do on a daily basis? So day shifts are mainly comprised of curating content. So basically I help find content from a variety of sources and across all of our platforms. So we have Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, and our job is to basically find interesting stuff that people are going to engage with. So that could be something from game content um, all the way to fan moments, ref on the hot mic, whatever it is um, that we think people will engage with. And so my job is to find that and then to what we call package it in a way that, you know, makes it pretty and presentable and that people want to like and engage with. So I personally find the finding of content to be where I'm better than like packaging it. Um, I'd say like I notice all the little uh, moments in games that other people might miss, but then I'm still at a point where like I'm not necessarily sure how to present that to people but I'll lean on somebody else for advice. Um, but I'm very good at like content ID. And so that's, that's become the most fun part of the job for me, which is why I love game nights so much. And I prefer working game nights to working uh, day shifts, just because I feel like there are those little moments to find and clipping out the highlights because uh, we're league partners. And so, you know, we have access to those highlights and being like, Oh, did you see this sick move tweet? Like, it's just so easy. And it's so simple but you know you're scrolling through your feeds later on that night and you're like oh my god i did that it's kind of cool <laughs> what's been like the biggest like most viral moment that that you've uncovered so far viral moment i have to think about this so okay. somebody threw a catfish on the ice in nashville and i remember seeing it as it happened and i went back and was like, oh, i'm sorry what what was that silver like that's not the puck. I was like looking back on it. I'm missing goals. And I'm like going back in the, in the feed to like try to find it. And I did. And I, I remember telling my boss, I was like, there's a, there's a catfish on the ice. He's like, TikTok, TikTok. So yeah. I make a TikTok and it, it hit like 3 million overnight, which, you know, is, is crazy numbers for us. And I, I'm like, it's not even about hockey. It's, it's a catfish. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and um i have to admit like as a purist of the game sometimes seeing all the like memefied moments is not exactly what i want to see but i think it's good because i bring a little bit more of a serious um element to the table and i i think open ice's voice is very you know fun and chaotic and and i i love that about it but i also think that some of that grounding is you know, good to have in the mix. And I like that that's something that I can bring to the table. I'm not always the one necessarily finding the uh, the viral 
like moments, but I am finding the little things that like, you know, other people might miss. And that's, that's honestly like the best part to me. This has been great, Alex. Uh, uh, thank, thank you so much uh, for, for being with us and you have your, you have your whole career in front of you and we wish you all the best uh, continued success in your role at Bleach Report. And I think for you, it, it's really onward and upward from here. Great. Thank you just, so much. Just remember really this was your first podcast when you make it big. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> no, I, I had so much fun chatting with you guys and I really appreciate um, being on the Throwing Bagels podcast. Definitely going to tell everyone like and follow, go subscribe. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. Of course. Let's go Rangers. And that was Alex Russo, hockey expert and content programmer for Bleacher Report Open Ice. and. Uh, she's going to go places. Sky yeah. is the limit with her. I really, there's no question gonna, about it. She's going to go places. She's got a, she's got a, she definitely has a good head on her shoulders. That's for sure. She's got her bleep together, man. I mean, she <laughs> does like that. There's no question about that. I mean, mm-hmm. just think about where we were at 20 years old and or 21 years old, whatever, uh, you know, in college. And, you know, I, I, I was, I basically just wanted to have my mother in college so she can cook and clean for me. I was basically like face down in a ditch somewhere. I mean, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yeah. My mom would call me. What time did you get home last night? I don't know. Oh. Four? No. <laughs> I wasn't Still last out. night. It was this morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we'll uh, definitely link to Bleacher Report Open Ice uh, on this podcast. And uh, please follow Alex uh, and watch her really pursue her dream which is to be a, a beat writer for, well, the Rangers. You never know. Maybe she'll wind up in Boston, yeah. like she said, covering yeah, right. the Bruins. You know, covering yeah. the Bruins. Oh, oh, no, she wouldn't do that, would she? Never. I mean. Listen, if the job is there, man, like I, I know. Yeah. Like, I've worked with people that are diehard fans of this team, and they wind up working for the arch rival. Yeah, because, hey, it's enough. a paycheck. It's, it's a paycheck. You're right. You're I remember right. growing up and being like, "There's no, I would never work for that team." And then, like after we graduated college, and I was like, "I'll work anywhere." <laughs> Sir, that's exactly right. Although I, I don't know, it'd be really hard for me to go to the Cowboys. I'm not gonna lie. Look, if the Yankees said, "Look, we'll pay you a lot of money to do whatever," I'd be like, "Okay, cool." All right, I'm, I'm in. Judge is the greatest. Yeah, <laughs> ju- absolutely. Judge is phenomenal. My best call player me such ever. a sellout. <laughs> Speaking of the Yankees, can we just do a sidebar here really quick? What the hell happened? <laughs> that foul ball. I can't what, the one that talk hit about John, it. The one that I hit John Sterling? You're 80 can't. years old. You don't John's, have reflexes anymore. But have you seen the video? He's staring at the ball. <laughs> like, he didn't even put his hands up. He said, oh, there's a foul ball coming this way. And it's like. He goes, he goes it is high. It is far. <laughs> it, oh, my God. I just took one off the face. That's right. It just hit me in the head. I saw that video on Twitter. He took a pretty good crack right yeah. there to, to the forehead from that foul ball, but like a professional, he, he just, just kept, kept going. Good along. How come Susie him. didn't save him? That's what I want to know. Dude, someone's got to dive over and protect him, right? I know. Like the Secret Service. Like that. Someone's got to <laughs> dive on top of him and make sure he doesn't get whacked by a foul ball that he sees coming but can't do anything about it because he's fixated. <laughs> Should have had the window he, closed. <laughs> There needs to be a net in front of John Sterling, just Seriously, like uh, yeah. people sitting down by the field, right? Yeah, right. 
But so. well, uh, since we're on the topic of baseball, how about those Mets? Huh? Oh God, absolute <laughs> garbage, dumpster fire. Jeez. Next, yeah, God. yeah, about those uh, Mets. I was, just, I was just thinking about it today. All these Jets fans that are like talking how great the Jets are going to be this year. Oh God, caution I yourselves. Wait. I can't yes. wait till they don't make the this playoffs. This is what I was thinking about today. I have a ton of friends. I have a lot of decent amount of friends who are Jets fans. I'm like thinking to myself, caution yourselves because they're just as bad when history has comes to the Mets. So you, we were all like, this is going to be a great season for the Mets. We're super excited. And now look what's happened. Now we're like, man, this sucks. Don't be surprised if the same thing happens to the Jets. Remember the Mets are the Mets. The Jets are the Jets. You know, it's. And the Jets are going to jet. It's just what they, <laughs> just what they do. Unfortunately, as a Mets fan, that's why I, that's why I'm so glad I didn't I didn't follow the Mets Jets rule because I don't know what, what uh, I would have done. The Giants have been the only team that has given us anything. <laughs> well, I mean, my Chicago Bulls. Don't no, no, no stop. stop talking. I mean, I'm just saying. Stop I'm just talking. saying. I'm just throwing it out. No, 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 no one no. cares what you have to say. No, no, stop no. talking. No, no, no. We're gonna, I'm Chicago gonna, boy. We're throw you off this podcast. Is what we're gonna <laughs> once do. You, once you move out there, <laughs> no one wants to hear about you uh. and your. Chicago Bulls. Just saying, man. Just saying. They're probably never going to win anything ever again. Good, they don't deserve so, it because they they were god awful before Jordan got there. Good. They yeah. deserve it. <laughs> All right, we're getting a little punchy here on this. Um, you, Sorry, on th- I, just, I just hate them. <laughs> I I don't hate them now, but I hate them back then. I will with, always hate them. The uh, damn Bill Cartwright. And uh, elbowing Ewing in the face every chance he gets. That's right. John Paxson and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Ho Grant. You know, all the uh, Armstrong. uh, Yeah, P.J. Armstrong. Yeah. yeah. Those guys uh, in my nightmares. Mm -hmm. Tony Kukoc. Kukoc, yeah. um, Yeah, people, people, my kids are always like, who? Who are you rooting for? Who are you rooting for? And then, like, you know, in the finals right now, I'm like, I'm rooting for the red. I'm rooting for the blue team. I'm rooting for Denver. So, like, no, let's root for Miami. I'm like, I will never root for Miami. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Miami's got to be up there as one of the that's most they're hated just, teams. They're for just Knicks below fans. the Bulls on the list of teams that I will never root for. <laughs> Those 90s Knicks Heat matchups, no way. Oh. And pay me money to root for the Heat. <laughs> Those were brutal. Jeff Van Gunny hanging on a exactly. morning's, morning's leg. Oh, All right. So great. <laughs> and then the Pacers are probably number three. I would uh, never root for yeah, the Pacers yeah, yeah. because and the, the Celtics, I've actually I used to the Celtics used to be very high on that list too. But they've they've mm-hmm. the Knicks and them they've never really had had battles since like literally like the early nineties. Even like pre even like pre-Bulls. Like mm-hmm. they've never really so I don't really care that much about the Celtics anymore. I think we've meandered about enough. So let's uh, <laughs> let's put this podcast to bed. Uh thank you. Thank you so much uh for listening. You can check us out <clears throat> anywhere you get your podcast. You already knew that because you're listening to this right now. Duh. But you can go to throwingbagels.com uh and check out the rest of our podcasts. Uh we are rapidly approaching our six month anniversary, if you can believe that since our wow. first podcast. Yeah, six months we've made it further than 90 percent of the podcasts yeah, that are out there that's true so so take a listen and uh, from our homepage at throwingbagels.com you can check out all of our social media pages uh and our email address throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com we hope to hear from you soon we have a blog coming out 
next week. So stay tuned for that. And then uh, we'll be back at it on the podcast land, podcast space, oh, whatever it is, uh, in another couple of weeks. So we will, we'll, we'll see you then. Uh, okay, Jason, talk to you later. Good night. Gentlemen, um, Chris, it's been real. And watch out for this Alex Russo. She's going places, boys. 